Happy Friday. Happy Friday. Oh, y'all don't sound happy. I mean, it's Friday, but you definitely don't sound happy. So let's do that again. Happy Friday. Happy Friday. Happy Friday. That's better. That's better. Look, I will tell you why I'm so excited. So let, let me tell you. I, I don't know what it is about Charles and I, but he, he sent his karma to me. So me and my wife both took COVID. I took my COVID test before she did. She got her results back, and I'm just sitting there like, okay, I, 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 I need y'all to, to come on back now. I need yeah. you to like, and I'm like, how do you take it a day later? Like, I, I don't get that. So I finally got mine back. I was so frustrated. I was just sitting there. I fell asleep with my phone in my hand like this, and then I woke up, and it was probably close to midnight, and it was there. And I, I text child and everybody like, hey, I'm negative. But here's the thing. Omicron, we all are going to have to get tested regularly and have um, regular testing. But Omicron has such an impact that it touches you in so many different ways. Like, you get calls from people like, hey, I just want to let you know I tested positive. I know we were close. You probably should go get tested. Yeah. That started, I almost just like, I'm just going to stay at the house. I, You know, it's... <laughs> It's rough sledding. It's rough sledding. Just the anxiety of the situation, uh, it brings into perspective a whole range of emotions. Yes. And it does. I, that I can does. imagine I, I can imagine what you went through because I went through it. Uh, I checked my phone, I know, a couple hundred <laughs> times every few seconds, just like refresh, refresh, refresh. And I fell asleep with my phone just like that. I mean, because I'm <laughs> like, I need to know. <laughs> I mean, either way, I just need to know, right? Yeah, just tell me so I can get on with it. <laughs> Very true. But I just wanted to start off the show by first just reminding everybody, one again, to um, definitely pay attention to our page beginning of February because we'll start talking about the credit segment and our credit program. So we definitely want to help people improve their credit, especially Black people is very important. So that's one thing I wanted everybody to just keep aware. Um, another thing that I wanted to start off was some really good news. And I know you guys love football, so I wanted to implement this. Um, Antonio Doyle Jr., who was the number five in the country, he's an inside linebacker in the nation for the class of 2022, is transferring from Texas A&M. So I thought that was twenty Yes, yes. But he is transferring from a big-time school, I feel like. It's definitely going to be – We've been getting some really good improvements, I feel like, and a lot of um, recruits as well. It's like always happen, something always is going on within our um, athletic department, especially our football program as well. So I don't know. I'm a little excited. What about you guys? Yeah, yeah. I think we're getting a little bit of an echo from somebody. I'm not sure how that's working out. But, yes, um, you can expect big things uh, consistently. Uh one thing that Jackson State has shown, uh, even though we aren't a Power Five school, our social media department understands how to connect with the fan base all across the country, and they've created uh, energy around Jackson State football. And so they are consistently driving the message. And I don't know if you saw this or not, Kennedy, but we have a new member of the marketing department that's been on a rampage been on a tear lately and that's dj hat dj hat <laughs> on twitter there's a special account set up just for the j hat and <laughs> it basically drives fear and angst into power five school fan bases whenever they see that j hat come out they know jackson state is about to get a new player that they thought they were getting <laughs> Lord, Jackson State and Jackson overall definitely the I love for sure. But um also what I want to get into. So you guys were talking about COVID and everything. And I know, like y'all said earlier, 
even though it's called Omar, Omar Khan, whatever, I'll call it Omarion because at the end of the day, this is just a lot going on. We got Omarion, then we got Omicron, Kennedy, Omicron. <laughs> we got Flu Roner and whatever. It's another one. At this point, you just got to stay masked up. And like another thing, like you're just saying, um, you know, Mr. Peters about just trying to be aware. We recently just got a message saying that we will be going back to in-person classes on Monday. So, you know, it's mixed emotions from that. I personally just feel like at this point, we can only protect ourselves because nothing is going to happen. But at the same time, I do also hear other people's concerns. But we'll see about that. I don't know. We'll see. Um, we have to take we have to take it upon ourselves to be very very conscious um, of what we do leading up to going into the class. I think I told each one of you to monitor and police yourselves. <laughs> considering you all think y'all want me to come to class on Monday, because if it's not feeling right, then we will have to do something else. He said that, but he said it in a different tone this morning. I just want you to know that. It was as nice as trying to say it right now, Mr. Peters. <laughs> I can only imagine the tone he said it in. Best believe, yes. But um, I definitely, personally, I really do agree. I also... Hopefully, um, the university, but not only that, just schools across the nation, schools are providing teachers with school, uh, cleaning supplies because it's not, besides universities, teachers, we all know, don't make the most. And so it's really important that hopefully schools are providing that. So we'll see in the future, but I just, hopefully we can start, I guess, learning to live with COVID. I feel like we are trying to kind of cure, but as long as we're learning to live with it, I think that's just the main thing that we got to focus on now. Um, but also one of the things I want to talk about was uh, when you should take a PCR test and a rapid antigen test. So a lot of people should know because you could still be walking around spreading this disease and we're trying to contain it, everybody. So you should take a PCR test when you're trying to figure out initially if you are um, negative or positive because it's actually a more accurate test and it was able to really test out either small amounts of COVID. You should take a rapid test, though, when you've already done with your quarantine preferably 14 days. Others will argue five, but preferably 14 days. Um, that's when you start to take a rapid test after your quarantine to actually test at that moment, are you negative or positive? If you take a PCR, it's still going to say that you're positive because it's still detecting small amounts, even three or four weeks afterwards. So I wanted to say that. Hopefully I ease some of your worries, Mr. Peters. I know you, you said you was a little worried. <laughs> <laughs> you well, know what? It, it, it's gonna. I'm gonna do everything I can uh, to protect myself. But the reality of it is, it, it is what it is. We've got to adjust to it, live with it, do what we can, and make sure we are vaccinated and we do our part at least. Now, I'm still gonna be holding my phone up nervously, anticipating those results because I'm sure I'll be tested often because anytime like Charles and I or anybody that has school-aged children, let's just face it, every day, every day is an adventure. No doubt about that. Now, every day, because, you know, pre-COVID, kids are germ <laughs> magnets. Right. So now it's like, woo, okay. Yeah. Right. And Mr. Peters, um, I don't know, but like, has your school, like, are you teaching online classes or did they push the day back a little bit as well? No, they're doing in-person classes, but fortunately for me this semester, I drew all online classes. Oh, okay, okay. So, Lucky you. you. <laughs> I, I, I did have one, but it didn't make. And so thank goodness, then a lot of kids, students sign up for the in-person class. They signed up for the online classes. And I wasn't mad about it. I know you weren't. <laughs> that is true. And um, now another thing, since we're talking about schools, this recently passed today. I don't know if you heard about it, Dr. Irvin, but Mississippi just passed a law banning the uh, teachings of critical race theory. And I thought that was something a little shocking. Um, not surprised. I don't know why you thought that was shocking. I mean, I guess I guess it's only because. Hmm. You will hope that society wouldn't try to sanitize history because it is leads up to where we are now. But then at the same time, I guess because we were getting so much pushback and 
people were trying to fight that bill. I just really thought that this would be the one time that we would prevail. So I don't know. I always try to look at the positive, even though I see your face. How do you feel, Dr. <laughs> well, Kennedy, one key word you said in there is history. History has been whitewashed uh, over many, many centuries. You do, you do know that uh, the term to the victor goes the spoils ties into that, meaning that who, who, who has won the majority writes the history. And so if you want to sanitize, weaponize, and basically blank out parts of history, then that's not honest brokering. But you should know the textbooks that you learned out of, the textbooks that Leslie and I learned out of, to a certain extent, it's just the the, the quiet part being said out loud because those textbooks are not complete. True. Some of them still talk about Columbus and, he, and what he did. <laughs> When we know better. Yeah. You mean Columbus and the three ships? Oh, yeah. <laughs> so, yeah. you know, that's not a new concept, Kennedy. It's just a loud concept with social media and 24-7 news cycles. Um, and the rationale behind it, of course, as you pointed out, is, is totally wrong. Um, you should be able to teach uh, for enlightenment, for uh, a complete uh, canvas of information. It shouldn't be weaponized that it's black versus white or white versus black. The history is the history, good or bad. So what does that say about the people who want to keep that information out? very true they want to try to sanitize it i'm i'm reminded i'm reminded on i'm i don't know how much you know about this and this is kind of jumping to a different different subject just just mm. a little bit but uh <clears throat> in in tulsa black wall street mm. reparations uh the mayor says no but did you know that the mayor is like fifth or sixth generation uh, politician and his family benefited directly from slavery and from the Tulsa massacre. Is he the right person to make that? So it's, I mean, it's the same. It's, it's the same same type of situation. But I think we have to be careful there because if we look, this this goes back to something that I said uh, probably a couple of years ago that when we look at the power structure of America. It systemically it hasn't changed. And that power structure, if you look down the history line on that power structure, it's all embedded and has ties to slave owners and the origination of slavery. So now, does that mean that translated later that a person has to think that way and act that way? No. But it does mean that their ties are still there. And so now we have to look at your actions. And if your actions are still indicative of the thought process that was there many, many years ago, then it has transcended, transcended generations and you're continuing to spread that same message of hate. And that we just can't accept. No doubt. I mean, I, I hear you saying we have to be careful, but you're saying the same thing that we that we're we're pointing out. Well, I'm saying let me say this, Charles. Be careful not to forget or not to omit, because you know, there's this, there's this group. Uh, of what I call conservative blacks that will say, well, we, we, we shouldn't really cause a stir about this or cause a stir about that. And I said, we have to be careful with that rhetoric. We have to call a spade a spade. We have to. Oh, yeah. I mean, we you know, people died because they didn't have the opportunity to call it. We have to call a spade a spade. And there's that old saying that if you don't stand for anything, if you don't stand for something, you'll fall for anything. So. We're at that point now, and I thought, and ironically, I thought it was interesting that that comes from the Tulsa mayor, which is a city that is, it, you know, we're coming up on February, that is is about to get in, inundated 
with stories about the Tulsa massacre, about what has happened. And of all cities, you really, as mayor of Tulsa, you really should have a different viewpoint. Why? Why should he have a different viewpoint when, as you just said, it's systemic? Well, but this because this is the same mayor that would say we are progressive and we don't have those views on one hand. But then, what did you just say, Liz? What did you just say? What 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 are his actions? I can right. tell you it's raining outside, but you can go and see the activity of the sun radiating down. True. Very true. So he's not lining up. He's not lining up with, with the with the rhetoric. I mean, talk is cheap. I mean, another another concrete example of this is Kristen Cinema and Joe Manchin uh, standing on the floor of the Senate arguing that to change the filibuster is wrong when they just changed it to put in Supreme Court justices, when they just changed it to give tax breaks to the rich. They've changed it 161 times. Did you know that? No. I never. They, they, they've made 161 exceptions to the filibuster rule to get things done that they wanted to get done. Throughout history or like just recently? Over time. Wow, over time. 161 times. Yeah. So to sit there and tell us while we know, I mean, I guess they think we, we won't look it up to tell us <laughs> that it's, it's, it hasn't been done and it will cause chaos in the Senate. Well, if you've done it one time, okay. Then let's see. But you've done it 161 times. <laughs> For various things. Which, and I'm kind of glad you talked about that because I've said it before and that's the reason why I keep on bringing topics like this because I need the audience to understand the importance of elections. So, recently, a Black Democrat Democratic, um, New York Democratic State Representative Jamal Bowman was arrested Thursday during a voting rights protest at the U.S. Capitol. Um, and so his office made a statement basically said, today, Congressman Jamal Bowman joined a voting rights nonviolent direct action at the North Barricade of the U.S. Capitol building and was arrested by the U.S. Capitol Police. And I think it's side note, I do think it's a little hysterical how like social media has taken such a turn that like now it's uh, the U.S. Capitol Police made a statement on Twitter, <laughs> but they made a tweet basically saying demonstrators started blocking one side of the North Barricade outside the U.S. Capitol. And basically officers started to start making arrests that after they gave protesters three warnings that after that they arrested over two dozen people, but the demonstrators came came hours after Democrats failed to change Senate rules in order to pass voting rights legislation ahead of the 2022 midterm elections. And Bowman is just among of several other African-American Democratic lawmakers who have been arrested. So, so this, this is a part of history again. Uh, in, the, in the movement, you had numerous leaders arrested over the years, over the decades, uh, during nonviolent protests. Uh, the arrest in and of itself is a part of the protest. Mm. I shall not be moved. So uh, when you put that up against what we're facing and what we're asking for, in uh, John Lewis, uh, even in the modified bill that they were arguing over uh, the other night. I mean, 2007, Kennedy, mm -hmm. um, you had more rights to the ballot box than you do right now in 2022. When, oh, wow. when Shelby v. Holder came down, which was a case that challenged uh, the Department of Justice's right under Eric Holder to exercise the voting right measures of preclearance, meaning that for those states that had a history, there's that word again, of uh, racist or uh, defective voting models in that they penalized black and brown people, those states had to submit to Department of Justice uh, their plans for any changes prior to uh, making those changes. 
and then the Department of Justice could weigh in, challenge them in federal court, what whatever needed to be done to make sure that those those uh, changes were not unconstitutional. Well, the Roberts Court struck down and stripped out preclearance, which causes the cascade effect that we see now with all this bad gerrymandering of lines, packing districts, uh, breaking districts up, uh, and then back to the water issue. I mean, you go from you go from redistricting to uh, restricting free water for people who've been in line for a long time. And so this voting rights bill that we're asking for is simply asking to restore voting rights and make it of such importance that everybody can have a right to vote, that you not take up uh, the ballot boxes uh, for drop-off ballots in Texas, uh, that you not make it uh, restrictive. If you got to drive over 100 miles to drop off a ballot, that doesn't make make good sense. Gas prices out there now, that doesn't even make people want (laughs) to go out. I mean, so, you know, Let's not be let's not be fooled by what's happening. Um, you know, again, as Leslie said, you can talk and talk until you're blue in the face, but show me what you did. And what I see is Senator Manchin, Senator Cinema are aiding the Republicans in their cause because when the Republicans needed to change this to get those uh Supreme Court justices on the court, they stood together. Now we have two Democrats in name that are blocking voting rights. And they've always been, um, because I've done research on them before and plenty of bills, especially in my past internship, trying to see if they would, we could sway their votes. One thing is hard to see is they, those two votes have always been unpredictable, whether they're, whether they're Democrats or not. And that's what's so crazy to me, I guess, about law. Like I understand you don't have to always join a political party, but if you have established that you join a political party, you would think, like you said just a second ago, Republicans stand together with them. It's always been a, well, I don't know what they're going to do today. Are they going to vote with us or not? It's just yeah. about voter rights. It's like, wow, it's gone to this. Yeah, and then the other thing you need to know from a from a historical standpoint is, in the past, folks dealing with voter rights. Usually like 97 to 3 or 90, 98 to 2 or 100 to 0, meaning that all 100 senators felt like voting rights uh, were important enough for all Americans to have equal access. Well, once they started weaponizing the courts and stacking the courts with Republican uh, judges and realizing that they could weaponize voting uh, for suppression purposes, they started changing their vote and so now it's come down to democrats trying to protect the demo the big d democratic model of what we're supposed to represent as america we're getting awfully close to losing those democratic ideals not the party the bigger concept of democracy and freedom. You no, know, you mean what our forefathers thought and what they intended when they sat and wrote exactly. the original document that, that really set up the democracy as we know it. That's right. Because, and look, even, I mean, that's Senator Manchin still acting this way even after Nick Saban, who's a West Virginia native, for the first time got involved and signed his name on the petition urging him to please vote for voter rights. So it's interesting. I think if you're watching this and you're a minority, forget minority, if you're watching this and you're a person in favor of democracy, this is this should scare you even more now as we go into midterm elections. Because if you look at the decisions that are being made and the thought process that's happening, it's really scary if I'm just a fan of democracy, because what's happening is this this divide that we were trying to bring together after the election, this divide is getting more pronounced day by day. It's getting more divided day by day. And now instead of coming together, 
everybody's locking in their trenches and this division this division is scary and so i don't know i don't have all the answers but i think we have to do something particularly as minorities to make sure we're united and that we're doing the things we need to do to protect democracy um, because we don't always do our part as a whole holistically in participating in the voting process in midterm elections. Yeah, I mean, you need to be mindful of this. When you say that divide, it's more than just a divide. Think about this. The Republicans voted in their interest. Yeah. 48 of the Democrats voted in what would be the country's interest. If you want free and fair elections that are driven by one person, one vote, then you vote with the Democrats because that's what the bill provided, a national holiday for for vote day, Uh, easier access to registration, restoration of felon rights. Um, And then you look at that against the backdrop of what's happening in the states. There are laws on the book right now in 2022 that say if we think there is fraud in the election results, then we can have somebody else that's not elected, whereas the attorney general's office uh, and the secretary of state's office usually handle those matters, particularly the secretary of state uh, handles those challenges and gets recounts and that type thing. Now they've created these commissions that could say, Oh, well, that that election wasn't right, so we're going to give it to the other person. Loopholes, in my eyes. The more and more I start, uh, like like you said earlier, packing the course, gerrymandering, stuff like that, I think, um, you know, because I'm a junior now, so I started getting more into my coursework. I just started understanding and realizing how sometimes politics create ways to make legal loopholes in order to go or sway towards what you're trying to push for, whatever type of bill or anything that you're trying to push for. And that's what it sounded like and what I'm visualizing in my eyes. <laughs> yeah, I'll give you a concrete example. There is a case in federal court right now in Ohio um, that's being brought by the democracy docket uh, challenging uh the way the district lines were drawn, right? Mm-hmm. And, meaning they tried to do some crazy stuff with the squiggly line to make it more advantageous for one one party over another. They can bring that lawsuit and have a high hope of winning because the voters in Ohio voted on that measure. Now it's part of law in Ohio. Wow. That's all you're asking for is the ability to be able to bring proper challenges. If the law stands the way it is, not every state has that. That's that's unique to Ohio right now. The southern states are going in a in a very restrictive, uh, backwards manner to try and hold on to power. And so, you know, you need regulation. Congress is supposed to be the place that you go to get this type of protection. <laughs> True indeed. True indeed. Um, and Kennedy, I while we're talking about this, I don't know if you have it. If not, I'll try to find it. Uh, I wanted to remind our audience, if you haven't already, to order your free at-home COVID test. You beat me to uh, from the government, and uh, make sure you do that. Uh, if you have it, uh, let me know. If I need to try to find it. I'll find it. I'm about to um, put it in the chat. You beat me to it. But yes, I was going to put that in. <laughs> and while you do that, I just wanted to give a, a short intermission break because we've been heavy, heavy, heavy. But I just, Charles mentioned something when we started the show about something that's getting a lot of attention. So I just wanted to bring it up and, and give this this person its identity. DJ Hat Twitter account. And I just want to bring highlight to this one line that's causing all the problems. And it simply says, and this is from DJ Hat, literally the hat. 
it's all good until you see me on the table. <laughs> that statement right there is driving some Power Five fans, particularly Miami and Florida State fans, crazy. And Texas A&M to the list. And Texas yep. A&M is now and the list. Texas A&M to the list. And one of them, if you if you just go there and follow it, one of them even said, look, man, I was fine, but you know if the hat is on the table, they're going to pick it. So I don't want to see the hat. And the other guy said, no, I mean, I want to see the hat because at least then I know it's over because they might pull it out their bag. Which has happened a couple of times. It was <laughs> off the bag. I think it was one thrown to him while he was That's right. Then the other guy, he said, put it on me. Yeah. So, kudos to the marketing uh, department at Jackson State because that has garnered national attention and spread like wildfire. Hat sales are going through the roof. And uh, the rhetoric around the hat is hilarious. Listen, yeah. I went to order me several more J hats because I want one in black. I want one in every and I can't find them. And that's guess what? When I saw him in Texas, guess what hat he was wearing? Yeah. 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 A J hat. A <laughs> so J hat. I, 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 Kennedy, if you see some, just grab me. Grab me and I want oh the good one. You sound just like my dad. Have you been in the bookstore yet? I haven't yeah. even but in the you grab them and I'll send you the money right away. <laughs> yes, sir. I definitely will. It's crazy though. I will say the marketing team. I don't know if you guys are really on Twitter, Instagram that much, but like every week, you know, we would have a um opponent. It was just like the flyers that they make. I was like, man, like this is some crazy stuff. Like you can tell the improvement. You know what I'm saying? And how we've been trying to catch people's eyes, whether I, whether our clothing, whether our brand marketing. So, shout out to them for that too. JSU is full of many talents. I think people try to sleep on us, but that's one thing we are full of. Yeah. Shout out out to uh, President Hudson again, because I just saw on Twitter that uh, if a student has a balance, they can go into their Paul's account and figure out and fill out the uh, Tiger assistance paperwork uh, and possibly get up to $1,000. So shout out to them. They're trying to do everything they can to assist during COVID. And now it's up on the students to go into their accounts and fill out that paperwork and see if you can get that extra grand. That's that's. Some- you know what? That's what that's what D is all about. It's it's going the extra mile in everything we do. And I and, I, and when I say D, even collectively, not just D Jackson State, but the challenge to D HBCU Nation. Uh, this is a time where we all have to pull together. You know, which is a perfect segue into. Uh, something else you brought, Kennedy, as we go back into to the heaviness of, of the vote and voters' rights. What concerns you from your lens, which is a different lens than mine, what concerns you most about the midterm elections coming up? Um, particularly particularly within the African-American race and your, your demographic. If I'm being honest with you, the one thing that I'm really concerned of is, like Dr. Urban said, it's not going to be a democracy like that's really what I'm concerned of especially now that like I'm a young adult now I think I'm really really concerned about just the democracy and it's not being fair and at this point it's going to turn into more of hmm, a dictatorship um, unfairness a lot of rights being stripped away from us and I guess that's the one thing that I'm truly concerned about is just that and it uh how can I say this as well? Limiting our rights as minorities because we already got the car stacked against us already. So like a prime example, what Dr. Ever just said, if I have to travel 100 miles to drop off a ballot, mind you, some of us don't even have the cars, let alone the ability to get a car, let alone the ability to even pay for gas as gas prices as they are. Then on top of that, majority of us can't even vote because we either convicted felons or we were wrongfully convicted, but you cannot vote. So your right is stripped away from you. So that that time, granted, yes. And we're also overpopulating uh, prisons because we are usually wrongfully convicted or it takes a long time for our trial days to be set. It's a lot of factors that go into how at that point in time, once all the factors are put into play and they're implemented, it's almost as if I hate to be that person, but the majority has the 
already the upper hand as is before even going to the, the ballot box. And that's oh. the one thing I'm concerned about right there. It's just like, I don't, how can you stop this? It's almost like stuff is going on. And you can't, it's watching stuff that it's like your hands are, you're frozen. You can't do nothing about it almost, if I'm being honest with you. So here's what I will tell you, Kennedy. We are not quite at that point yet. We're very close to what you're saying. Mm -hmm. But a lot of this is smoke and mirrors because if we get out there and organize, now you can't out-organize outright voter suppression with some of these laws. Mm -hmm. But you can come pretty doggone close by doing what you got to do with the vote. Now, that doesn't excuse them from doing their duty as elected officials to protect the vote. But we see what's happening, so we're gonna have to vote him out. Incidentally, Manchin said he's not uh concerned about a primary challenge, he welcomes it. Well, we need to put that to the test, right? Well, let me ask you this, Charles what are your thoughts on Stacey Abrams' chances in Georgia in the gubernatorial uh, election? Well, I would say I would say this when you look at the numbers and Kennedy can tell you this because she has sat in my class and she knows how to break down these numbers and she knows where to look for these numbers. But if you look at the number of people that move to the greater Atlanta metro area every week, about 1500 people, uh, 90 percent of those people are, are, black. are black and and most of them are uh, voting along the same lines as what Stacey Abrams has to offer. So the only way that you can hope to beat her is by suppressing the vote. So let me ask you this, because this, this is a question we have to ask. Is, is the election in Georgia for governor simply by popular vote? Or is it by, by some other method? It's popular vote. Okay. So that means that's why that's why then there's so much attention on Atlanta because that's the most populous place. Yeah. In Georgia. Okay. Yeah, because you want to limit you want to limit those high traffic areas. Uh, because this is a, that's a prime concrete example of what I've been talking about about the numbers. Because Atlanta is not a purple state, it's a blue state by population. Georgia, because mm. of the city of Atlanta. Right. Mm. Yeah, it is actually not yeah. So okay, so if I'm not mistaken. And I feel like I might have to do some more research. But when I was look, the last time I was paying attention to um, when it was election, I thought the the city of Dallas was a blue state. So how do you stop for Texas as a whole? How where do you think in some ways for us as Texas, Dr. Irvin, we can turn the state into a blue state? Because when it was election time, we were actually very close to going blue, but somehow, some way, we still stuck to red. Well, here's here's what I would. Here's what I would say about that. Because of the size of Texas physically, right. um, I looked at all the numbers across uh, what is 254 counties in Texas. Yeah. Um, <laughs> so you have high, high concentrations of population in Austin, in Houston, in San Antonio, in Dallas. Um, and so then you get into land masses uh, and in between that the missing link to that if you if you pull the right number of votes from houston if you pull the right number of votes from san antonio austin and dallas that puts you in a puncher's chance but notice what i left off of the list and this is where, this is where the problem came in for a, a couple of reasons. One, the Democrats were slow to understand that sabotage was going on with the Hispanic population as far as uh, the type of advertisements that were going on, whether it was mailers, radio, TV, or just walking the block, because Trump had figured out how to speak a language of fear um, about socialism. Yeah, two, two, you had COVID raging out of control in the Rio Grande Valley and then three um that caused the boat to not show up in the mass numbers that you needed to connect the dots to the rest of the high population areas in in texas so what does that mean 
they were able to offset the Rio Grande because the boat didn't come out at the same level. It came out in Houston and Dallas and uh, Austin. And that was your missing link. It's Laredo, Mission, Brownsville, Mercedes, mm. McAllen. That makes sense. All that down to Lubbock. All that cool. Yeah, I love it for sure. Yeah. Lubbock wouldn't be Lubbock without, yeah. We it makes sense. get the votes from that I'll, area. I was just really trying to figure out because I was like, we are so close because I would, I was doing something at the time, but I would check like every hour. I was like, maybe we really are going to go blue. And it just. It was that area. I mean, if you look at it, all of, all of, so Dallas, Harris County, which is Houston, was in Dallas County, Fort Worth, San Antonio, Austin, all went Democratic, all went blue. But we know that the rural areas are going to go red. They, they are. They're not as populated, but the problem is the Rio Grande Valley is heavily populated. Mm. It's even more populated than like Dallas and Houston as far as the number of people in the area of, of space. Mm. But we didn't get their votes out. And the pandemic had a lot to do with that. Either they were getting ravaged by Corona at an even higher rate than Blacks were. And they, because for simple fact, a lot of them didn't have health care. So when you look at what was happening down there in those areas, they don't have the same medical facilities, they don't have the same resources. And the reality is they just didn't, we didn't turn out the vote down there. And that's that cost the election. Okay. Thank you. You both definitely have informed me on something because I really just I was trying to figure out the missing link. And I guess you know the real Grand Valley, that does make sense. Have you ever been to South Padre Island, Kelly? Yes, I did go to South Padre. Yes, my senior year. Yeah, I did for school break. So when you went to South Padre Island, just just for instance, what did you see demographically? Did you see a lot of people that look like you and I? Did you what did you see? All right. <laughs> <laughs> so that's the real Grand Valley. But what I'm saying, that's still weak. In order for the in order for Texas to go blue, mm-hmm. blue has to carry that area of Texas. Ah, uh, okay. And if we don't. We can't. Whoever carries that area of Texas is going in. Okay. It's it traditionally shown. Okay. And the last thing I really wanted to talk about the show. So um, I've been keeping up with this as well. One thing I always like to implement in the show is also local Jackson news. So if you've been paying attention to a lot of our shows, um, the past few weeks, I've mentioned how the U.S. Attorney, FBI, and everything wanted to come and work with the Jackson police to stop crime. Um, also, they gave out a $500,000 grant to Jackson police to try to um, increase employment, but not only raises and, whatnot, raises and whatnot. So I'm still trying to wrap my head around this, Dr. Urban, but can you, so basically, let me first to the topic. <laughs> um, so Hines County Sheriff Supervisor, which is now Tyree Jones, he explained why it's crucial to avoid federal takeover for the detention center, which is in um, the Hines County Detention Center. My thing is, so why is it so crucial? Because they were, even with me paying attention to it at the debate, they kept on bringing it up, but I guess I just couldn't understand it. But what's the importance of, I guess, not having a federal takeover, but the importance of having a well-functioning detention center, really, besides it of COVID and things of that nature, but what's the reason why it's so run down, I guess? And why is it such an issue in Jackson? Like, it's always, ever since this, really this, when I came back this fall, it's been a Really, really big push. I've seen it a lot in news, and I just never understood, though. Ooh, that's a lot to unpack, Kennedy. I'm going to give it a shot, though. Uh, <clears throat> one, um, the ground that the facility was built on uh, was a landfill, and they didn't prepare the land properly. And so it's caused internal problems with locks and other parts of the building, flooding and leaking and that type of thing so from a sanitary uh standpoint from a safety standpoint if you have locks that don't work that causes problems mm-hmm. uh, between other individuals who are housed there and potential safety concerns for the guards that are charged with uh making sure that those people are cared for um the other thing is if and and put it in this context and this is why I say it's a lot to unpack because we're not talking about a a, a state run uh prison which means that you've been convicted um most of the people that are in the highest county detention 
detention, they're being detained pretrial. Mm. And so they haven't been um, found by a jury of their peers or by plea or, you know, to be guilty. And so they have certain rights that should be in place under uh, and the reason why the, the government has taken an issue, uh, issue with the facility is because of health and safety of those individuals because they they have constitutional rights. Um, they have to be cared for in a certain manner, uh, as particularly Eighth Amendment rights uh, against cruel and inhumane treatment, uh, whether that be food, whether that be resources, clothing, uh, you know, access to programs, uh, and. And then the most important is safety because you had some people die in that facility. Yeah. Last year it was six alone. I wanted to add yeah. that. And so that's why you've drawn the attention of the Department of Justice. And so what he's saying is that it makes it hard for him to do his job and some of the things that he may want to do as sheriff that would be progressive or, you know, in the interest of education or training uh, things that may be helpful in the long run, he's got to, anytime he wants to implement any type of change, it has to go to Department of Justice and to the case monitors for them to approve it or deny it and for them to provide a rationale, all of the funding. It, everything is under a microscope. From now on. Okay. Right. Because until, of past, um, until, until that consent decree is lifted, it makes it very hard to progress on any agenda other than fixing the items that are on the list. Hold up, hold up. I'm going to do you how you do, Mr. Peters, because, you know, we in the audience. You mm -hmm. the scent decree for the audience, you know, using big words. So we need to break it down. That's a, that's a legal term, meaning that there's a piece of paper somewhere in a courthouse somewhere that says the federal government has oversight over the Hines County Detention Facility. Thank you. Yeah. I got you, Mr. Peters. <laughs> 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 yeah. Uh, Great so, job. Great job. So, I mean, that's a valid question, though, because somebody may not understand what consent decree means. Uh, and uh, that decree says, check with us before you do anything. And here are the here are the major major items that we want you to fix. So, since it's like that, with the, you said the consent decree, do you feel as though? Um, Thank you, Miss Irvin. Do you feel as though uh, ever since the city of Jackson, where it comes to just, I guess the department, I guess you could just include whether it's policing, lawmaking and such, do you feel like we are going to get to a point where it's going to be, we have to check with the Department of Justice first, since we're all getting like us um, help from, you know, the U.S. The, uh, attorney and whatnot. Do you feel like we're going to turn to that point if crime continues to be worse? That's a different. That's a different issue. Oh, okay. Yeah, that's a different issue from this standpoint. Uh, they've asked for collaboration with the U.S. Attorney's Office, uh, which is a double-edged sword, honestly, because some of the crimes that may be charged could open up a can of worms for potential defendants, uh, domestic violence, uh, certain mm. gun charges, uh, different things. You could be in a world of hurt because they are involved, and if they choose to turn those federal then that's that's uh that's an issue yeah. understandable um but that's basically all i really wanted to have for the show today really implement that for sure you know what i wanted good show today hopefully this gets people really thinking about the midterms and the fact that we need to get out and encourage other people to get out and if you got family members one of the things i always do I go around to people that I know don't have a card that I know, and I make sure I get them to the phone, make sure I call them ahead of time, make sure they register, make sure they know where they go, what they do. You know, that type of thing. We're in a pandemic, but hey, you can remind. So what I did last year uh, in the midst of the pandemic, I would schedule Ubers to pick them up and take them. Hmm. I wasn't taking them, but I would make sure they <laughs> them. <laughs> I would take you, Kennedy. I would take Charles. I'm just saying we didn't know as much as we knew. That was before the vaccination. But I will say this, a couple of announcements. I wanted to remind all of our audience that if you wanted to check out uh, some of Jackson State's latest recruits, they will be playing uh, both uh, Travis Hunter 
and Kevin Coleman will be playing in the Polynesian Bowl on this Saturday tomorrow at 6 or 6.30 p.m. on CBS, whatever your local CBS stadium. So that's on national TV. Um, that's two players in the top 10 coming to Jackson State. They will be playing on Saturday in Hawaii in the Polynesian Bowl. And on Monday, they'll be at Jackson State uh, in class and working out. So, yes, they're, 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 uh, they'll be early enrollees. Um, oh. Oh, because they graduated. Okay. What? Yeah, they've already finished high school. Yeah. Is that what Shador did? Yeah. Same thing. He just couldn't play in that spring. Right. Because right. of what, like, he doesn't, he wasn't eligible, basically. Correct. Right. Wow. So there is no spring. They'll be able to play in the spring game, though. So now, because now we're in a traditional setting where we have spring. So they will be, oh. we'll see them on the field in the spring game and playing. And so they'll be going through strength and conditioning. And then wow. also, um, in case you haven't heard, I want to remind everybody that February 2nd is National Signing Day. So it's going to be a big day for all the HBCUs and particularly in the SWAC for sure. So make sure you look. If you're a big football fan, I'm not saying you want to take a day off, but you may want to take a day off to follow keep up with all of that. <laughs> but it's going to be a big day. I'm predicting this is going to be the biggest day ever since they started doing the star system and watching National Signing Day and how many top 300 kids end up committing to an HBCU near you. So those are two things I wanted to remind people of. And then also, reminder again, the free COVID test. You can fill it out online and get your free COVID test from the government. Listen, you can only get one free set per household. <laughs> I just got to tell you that because, look, I don't care if it's 10 people in the house and all 10 people fill it out, you're getting one. You're getting one set. So just know that. I'm telling you now. So I don't want you to complain and tell me they only send me one. You're getting one per household. So make sure you fill it out and request that. And in these times where we're going to be testing ourselves so regularly, to have that at home, to be able to do that uh, quickly and not have to go through it. The excruciating pain that Charles and I have when you're sitting and waiting seems like forever. Test yourself. Take your vitamins. Take your emergency. That's my daily morning routine. I always take my vitamins and my emergency. Just write down everything. Sanitize y'all. Be safe. And I also want to add to what Mr. Peters was saying about football. Just keep in mind, there's already some new NFL coaches that are head coaches as well, like Clue Jackson for Grambling State. Um, you already know Deion Sanders for Jackson State and on. He's Tennessee State isn't in the swag. So it's going to be a pretty big day, honestly. Yeah, it'll be a big day. I heard um, through the street committee that the J Hat will be at the Polynesian Bowl. I heard that too. And I heard that the J Hat, I heard that the J Hat went first class. I'm just saying, that's what I heard. Yeah, I've heard that it may be spotted not once, but twice on Saturday. So we shall see. We shall see. We shall see. And, and I and I heard from a good source that we're not done yet in the top three hundred. That's all I'm gonna say. We we're not done yet. Yeah. So, um, and just, and and so and so just so I know Kennedy kind of looked when when you said that uh, Travis and Kevin will be on campus starting Monday. Uh, most of the people that we that we signed through the transfer portal. Mm-hmm. They're already on campus. Yeah, I noticed it, but I just didn't know that, like, I, I just didn't know they was going to be on campus soon. Like, <laughs> it was just that. Yeah. So, you know, you know how high school credits work. So they've yeah. already completed everything they need to complete. So now they, they, they are, once you do that and fill out all your paperwork with the clearinghouse and get a clean bill of health, you can report to uh, college. So, Kennedy, all I'm saying, you might be walking around campus and see them very soon. Yeah, I actually probably will. I'm not gonna lie. Some I'm sure they'll be out. I'm sure they'll be out Monday or Tuesday. Yeah, I think um really just them, but also a few other athletes, like one guy, he didn't know where the you know Chick-fil-A and library was, so I kinda have to tell him. I could tell he looked like he was really new. And in my mind, I was like, You kinda look like you're an athlete, but I don't want to just, you know, stereotype somebody, but <laughs> he looked like he was very new to campus. So but yeah, it's it's getting back the uh 
for you guys, the union is what she's called, but the Heritage Hall is back open as well. <laughs> yeah, but you know what? I, I still like the vibe of the union. I, I, it, it, was, it was special to us. Okay, okay, question. I just, I mean, I believe my father, but when y'all was in the cab, y'all y'all didn't have a buffet option? Y'all could only go up there one time? No, and, no, there was no buffet option. No. Are you for real? Buffet? <laughs> there was nothing on campus that was buffet. No. Nothing. <laughs> no. Wow. He said that. He was like, so if somebody didn't want their burger, he said, hey, man, I want your burger. So you had to. Yeah, you had, you had, uh, yeah, what a fifteen or twenty meal plan. That's right, fifteen to twenty. Either you you ate Monday through Friday, and if you, you ate, ate twenty, you had to go on the weekend. Yeah. And the problem with it was, if you go on the weekend, then it was like at four o'clock. So man, that's supposed to last me all the way to the next morning. Uh, wow. Yeah. 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 You, see what, you see what McGun said? Buffet what? Yeah. <laughs> I mean, come on now. <laughs> we didn't yeah. have that option. No buffet. Wow. No, you, crazy. You could, your dad was right. And you could have anybody that was there in our era or before, and they would tell you there was no buffet. Yeah, the buffet here's here's what the buffet was, Kennedy. So you will know. I was talking to you about this earlier about how we were pre-computer and some other stuff, and you laughed. But here's here's what the equivalent of a buffet was for us in Jackson State. If I'm not going to the calf because I've secured other means of eating. Then I slide you my card and right. you go eat my food. Right. That's how that worked. That's how that worked. <laughs> I remember sliding my card to Charles many days and he slid his to me. Yeah. <laughs> <That's how it laughs> and all that meant was if mama, uh, mama, because daddy didn't see you, but if mama had sent you a care package, you were good yeah. for a few days. So you would slide the card. <laughs> Yeah. That's crazy. That's what, and you know, my dad, he said, he was like, it would either ask somebody for their uh, burger, or we had this real dude, he stayed in Dixon with us, he used to work for the uh, calf, we'd be like, hey, TK, you gonna bring back us some burgers? He's like, yeah, man, I got you. He'll bring back, like, a whole bunch of sandwiches and burgers back to the dorm. I said, wow, like, yeah. that's crazy. Why do you think or, people want to get work study in the calf? Yeah. <laughs> or, or you could go upstairs in the union and try your hand with the chicken, I don't know what the food safety rating was back then. Oh, uh, no. They, they didn't even do food safety ratings on the Yeah, yard. I don't know about all that because I know somebody who worked in there who's uh, on Facebook all the time, and she worked in there. And, uh, yeah, we were taking chances with our lives, but they used, <laughs> they used really, really hot grease on that chicken. Uh, <laughs> well, hey, hey, Charles, what was your choice? You, you could have a chicken basket. Mm -hmm. a fish plate, yeah. A burger, a hot dog. That was it. Yeah, that was it. Wow. <laughs> well, never mind. I guess we have definitely improved over the years. No, you think? Are <laughs> you going to yeah. serve with the heavy hand that would give you a good portion? Oh yeah, that's why. That's why. Uh, you remember I tell I used to tell you all the time about how you greet people and how you how you interact with people. That's a part of that because you needed to be on a first name basis with the people who held the spoons. Right. <laughs> that's where we learned how to network. And that's yeah. why what you find is people that went to school with our era, we know each other are like, we can see a face. Like, yeah, I, I remember them on campus. Because you talk to everybody because you had the network because you were going to have to barter something. And four oh, yeah. years before you got out of there, you were going to have to barter something. Oh, yeah. I mean, because... I was one of the first residents of the honors dorm, right? Mm -hmm. Y'all don't even have that. It. It's a parking lot now. Right. Oh, yeah. Daddy talked about that all the time. They tore that down. I was like, what are you talking about? Like, the honors dorm is Dixon and still. Yeah. But we Tiger World. Yeah. But so here's where I'm going with this. Not not, not to flex on the living in the honors dorm. <laughs> but I had I had uh, an old steamer trunk. And... My mom, who just who was who's watching the show right now, she used to always send me spam. What is that? Spam, S P A M, spam. Yeah, I know, it's, like it's, it's, it's like a can, it's a canned meat. It's an exotic luxury. Uh, <laughs> listen, listen, Kennedy, you see what Miss Irvin said? She said all you can hope for for someone with a heavy hand who would give you a good portion. That was true. 
Listen, I hated spam. I hate spam to this day. <laughs> man, it was a man. I, I got so hungry that I was over there getting that spam. <laughs> Look, Kennedy, Kennedy, <laughs> remember now, we don't have cell phones, so it's... Can I get some spam, Charles? <laughs> yeah, can I get some spam? No, you yeah. wouldn't even look, you didn't even have the energy to walk on the door. No, you go into the window. Yeah. You sit on the first floor so I can get this window. And yeah. Open that window, just slide it through. <laughs> wow. That's ramen crazy. noodles. Oh, I can live on yeah, that. How many dishes could we make with some ramen noodles? But the fact, but you like to see progress. And the reality is for us, um, I stayed on, you know. The first year with the football team, I was Kevin's apartment. You talking about your apartment, dude? Your apartment is the lap of luxury. See, see, you living in the lap they of luxury. They stayed in apartment. You know where the soccer field is? Mm -hmm. They stayed in apartments on the other side over there, over Hooker Street. Yes. Oh no! It was like it was like driving into the project because yeah. we already. Past this gate, that is the project. Oh no, 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 no. We stay. It's, it's an apartment. It's an apartment complex over there on the other side. It has a one way in, one way out. Yeah, it was bad. It was and this bad. Was on campus. This, this, this was considered on campus apartments. It was just a football team. It was just a football there. team. Wow. But they had to quickly get us back on campus because. <laughs> yeah, that was. Uh, yeah, that was, that was problems. Yeah, that was uh, yeah, that was inviting too much, too much, too fast. Yeah, yeah. But uh, I will tell you, I'm happy that you guys have all that stuff, and I think there will be more. I think campus will be. Have you seen have, Leslie? I don't mean to cut you off, but have you seen the options that they have in their union? Oh no, my gosh! No. Yeah, I have, I have, and that's what I'm saying. I'm like, listen, let me tell you how I know about the union. So you know, before COVID. Maddie, my daughter, would spend every summer on Jackson State campus for that camp yeah. for a month. She raves about the camp. She said, the best thing on campus is the camp. You go to, she can name the building and all that. And I'm like, really? They have what? <laughs> yeah, they went to the, they went to the, to the, no, and she's not talking about the cafeteria. She's oh, talking okay. about, she's talking about the, call it the union, but whatever. She's talking about the new union. What, what is, what's, 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 what's the student thing? center? What is the student center? Student yeah. center. But that's what she's talking about. She raised about the student center. And I'm like, y'all had what? Oh, yeah. we And we could go back and get as much as we want. Dang, she was looking like the camp. Yeah. I said, we can't do that. We got to talk about We didn't have none of that. <laughs> but the we do have like stir fry some days. We got tofu and stuff. I don't really do tofu. We got vegetarian options, you know, burgers, pizza, salad, soup. Yeah, desserts. <laughs> Man, yeah. the best you could hope yeah, for right. is that maybe you had some money on your uh, what was that card called? The J card, the uh, your ID, yeah, your ID. <laughs> <laughs> it didn't have a name, right? It was just ID, hopefully, you had the ID, and you could go <laughs> swipe it at the KFC on 80 and Lynch, and uh, you could swipe it at the Taco Bell if you had some money, which we didn't. <laughs> oh my gosh well at least i'm glad to know that our school has definitely approved from back then because i don't know if i would be able to survive i oh, don't y'all not built like that y'all not built like that i'm, best, I'm honest the best I, meal the best meal of the day back in the day was breakfast or sunday oh my lunch. gosh my dad said the exact same thing yeah. and then they get on to me did you go get up and go to breakfast i'm like i stay in the saves i don't want to get up there early to go to i'm sorry i will make me some oatmeal right here nah no best meal best meal on campus in 1990 to 1994 was breakfast or sunday because sunday they had fried chicken right and you know why you know why those two things were the best? Because a lot of people didn't go to breakfast and they let you get what you want. Yeah. Then same thing on Sundays. A lot of people wasn't back yet if they went home or went wherever or they were out and about because it was so early that they you get back and go fried chicken. And that's why you got to know. And to this day, Miss Singleton, Ira and Myra Singleton mother took good care of me because I got to know her real quick. And she's like, baby, you hungry today. I'm like, I'm real, real hungry. 
Real hunger. <laughs> Real hunger. Or I tell you another, I tell you another workaround. It wasn't the football team because the football team caused a lot of havoc. It was the baseball team. If you went to eat with the baseball team, then you had a chance at getting the second plate. Oh my gosh. That is crazy. Well, any last words while we end this show today, guys, since we've had a nice little trip down memory lane and now we know what were the best meals. <laughs> my, nope. last, my last words are you have it really, really good. <laughs> you are getting a world-class education, which we did too. But you have a world-class education and you have a brand new union with options. I'm trying to I don't want to hear any complaining. Oh my gosh. Yeah, I don't want to hear any complaining. All right, Urban Lockdown. Y'all have a safe weekend and stay messed up. Bye, y'all. Thank you.